John chapter 1 if you want to. I, John chapter 1. Like I said, Steve done told you that I was one of the deacons here. Uh, I'll tell you a little more about my life. I, you know, I've been a deacon for a while here, but for me to get up here to speak, I step out on faith a lot, ever, even teaching a Sunday school, every Sunday. I had to step out on I was one, used to be in Sunday school class, if they was to ask me to read scripture, I would just about hyperventilate. <laughs> That's just how bad I was. But I thank God that, you know, He's helped me through all those times. Amen. You know, and I want to. We're going to just talk about God's Word. And I, I, you know, that is just how important God's Word is in our lives. You know, it gives me the confidence to stand up here. I mean, if it weren't for that, I couldn't stand up here. You know, we say we talk about God's Word. God's Word is God. God's Word is the truth, you know. And that's kind of what I want to talk about a little bit tonight. You know, how important it is in our lives. You know, and there's been people in my life that's been an example of how important God's Word was. I mean, there's many in the Bible, and we're going to talk about two tonight. But there's many, some in this church that was an example just, just to see how important God's Word was. And my mama was one. I guess my most one. She, uh, her in her house, fireplace, and had her big recliner rocker chair. She had shelves right there, and her Bible, Sunday school book, was always, she always had it, studying, reading, you know. I mean, whatever. In, in, in later years, my dad got sick. She got where she couldn't go to church as much, staying home with him. And, uh, you know, I'd go by and check on them, and she'd be reading, studying her Sunday school. There's no one she probably wasn't going to be able to go to Sunday school. But I've seen her, I've been by there, and just see, she'd be on the phone talking to one of the ladies that's in her Sunday school class, talking about God's Word. And it made such an impression on my life. And then one, one other one was Bill Camel. was here, a member here at this church. One of the deacons of this church. You know, I was, uh, then, I was a babe in Christ. You know, I wouldn't, I wasn't even on the milk. I was on the formula. <laughs> I mean, that's how babe of Christ. But it said about, he was set about where David sat. And I was sitting behind him on a Sunday night. And he just had a little old Bible, a New Testament. Bible and somebody had walked by him before church started and they were just kind of ragging Bill about his little Bible. And you know, I'm sitting back there, young Christian. I'm wondering what he's going to say, you know. Bill just turned around and said, There's enough right here to save the whole world. Amen. And I thought, Man, you know, for me, that you know, the power of God's Word, the faith He had in God's Word. It made me, I wanted to desire to study more of God's Word. 
to learn to learn what he had, you know. And I, and I say there's several couple people we're going to talk about tonight about that. <clears throat> but you know, I over the years I found myself in situations in life, you know, where I just praying and reading, you know, difficulties of life, and I praying and reading to get me through those times. I mean, there's some, been some time, and we're all going to go through them. If, you know, we live long enough, problems in life and difficulties. And there's been some in my life that, you know, it, it, no one, even the pastor can help. It was only God. You know, His Word, it got me through, through those times. And, uh, and how He got me through them, too. You know, just praying and trust, trusting in His name and what all He has done for me. You know it. You know it. I found myself, and I said, praying. I'm gonna read my notes. I'm gonna get lost here in a minute. Some which one could help me through, but tell all. You know, you know, talking about. You know, and like I say, some of the difficult times in my life. One of them was with my mama. You know. She had got sick, went to the doctor, and they said she had cancer. The doctor said, said, we can beat this. Well, she didn't live but two weeks. She went into the hospital to have a uh, test done and some, and some fluid drain, never come home. But during that time also was when my daddy was sick, we had to have somebody stay with him. It was me, my, uh, my brother, and my sister. There was three of us. And uh, my sister would stay with Mama most time at the hospital. We had, was fortunate to have somebody stay with Daddy in the day, but we had to swap out at night. You know, and, but during those two weeks, she'd stay in the hospital. Well, that cancer was just running through her. She just slept in pain. Never hurt. You know, even when I was there, she'd moan. I said, Mom, you all right? Oh, I'm fine. Close her eyes, drop back. You know. But I found myself again at Mom and Daddy's at night praying and reading. Praying and reading God's Word. <clears throat> I found myself in Mama's chair with Mama's Bible praying and reading. You know, and during those two weeks, it was tough, I, you know, but God gave me such, he, it just so close as I read and prayed and read and prayed. You know, and, I, and, and in my prayer for my mama, I know, I wanted to heal, but when it, at the end of my prayer was, God, your will be done. Because, you know, I have trusted God for what He's done before. And I know His will is a lot better than anything I need. But as I kept praying and kept reading, He started giving me a message. I mean, this was before my mama was dead. For a funeral. He took me to Proverbs. Where it talks about a virtuous woman. Carry me to other scripture. You know, 
God, man, it just, that's why God's Word is so important to us. Because I'm going to tell you, folks, we're all going to go through problems, like I say. And to have, that, have it, His Word, the assurance in our lives. You know, He's got things under control. I mean, He come in, you know, like with my mother. It just was, I felt such a closeness of God. Like, you know, I'm here. I'm going to help you. You know, and I don't like to give me a message. That's what God's Word, you know, here. It gives us eternal, the words of eternal life. It's full of the words of His grace that it's sufficient enough to get us through every problem we face in our life and in whatever we go through. But not only that, it gives us direction. It gave us direction. It gives us correction and protection. All three. You know, the direction part, you know, like I say, his, it gives us the grace, eternal life, direction, correction, and all. You know, as far as the direction part, you know, I, I used to coon hunt a lot with a friend of mine. And his name was Gary. He had a, a brother-in-law. His name was Tiny. He was about 6'3", probably 320-something pounds. <laughs> wore overalls and had a big old beard. If you was sitting in the wood, you'd want to run. But he had—he was just like a teddy bear, you know. He—he uh, I mean, he was just the nicest guy you wanted to be around. But he had been wanting to buy him a dog. He'd been saving up. He'd—he found this tree and walker dog. It was—it was a night champion. I don't know if you know coon hunting. How they. Have, they in the hunts and all, they can be a night champion. Talking to his mama, daddy was a night champion. He had a bloodline papers this long on the dog. You know, he was ragging. When he finally got the dog, we went hunting one night. As we was hunting, that dog kept following. <laughs> Never hunted. Pretty dog. Just stayed with Tiny all night long. <laughs> Never moved away. And it was late, and we was tired, and the, dog, the other dogs had done struck, and they was gone. We couldn't hear them. So we was sitting there, and it was, we was all sitting on the ground. Me and Gary, uh, Gary and Tiny was sitting over there, and there's the dog sitting beside him. <laughs> and it was quiet, nobody saying nothing. They had our lights on. And Gary looked over at Tiny, and he said, Tiny? Maybe you ought to get them papers out and let that dog read them where he'll know what he's supposed to be doing. <laughs> I'll never forget that. But that's what God's Word. We have to get it out to read it to know what we're supposed to be doing. You know. <clears throat> doing in our life. You know, a coon dog... You know, that dog was a night champion. He had the papers on him. But there's two kind of coon dogs. I mean, two kind of competitions. 
They have what you call a bench competition. That's just where they show the dogs. They put them up there and get their tails up, you know. But they, they, they grade them on that. And then you got the coon dogs, the trials, the hunting part. You'll, you know, some are just bench dogs. They don't hunt a lot. And the others, you can tell them by the scars. The coon dogs, real coon dogs, they're going to have scars. Their ears are going to be cut where they've been in fight with a coon when they treat a coon. You know, God's not called us to sit on the bench. He called us, called us to get into battle. You know, I thought there's a lot of people, you know, that the guy that owns the, that good coon, good coon dog that's got all them scars and scratches, that owner can tell you about what, every time, what, when every one of them happened. The time it happened and what went on. I thought about a lot of older Christians the scars they've had through the battles of life. So they can look at them scars and look and say, God got me through this one time, you know, in his life. <clears throat> but, but, you know, David put it best in Psalms. One simple little verse. David said in Psalms 119-105, the word... Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Think about that a minute. A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, that's what God's word, it guides every step, but it guides us down the path, the path all the way to eternity. All the way through life. It never leaves. That should never leave. We should be with us all the time. Talking about, you know, I'm not going to talk a lot about, you know, the grace part and the eternal life part, but I'm going to talk this evening about the protection and the correction. After we've been talking about the direction. You know, God has protection for us. You know, you take a child, and you, you know, we learn sometimes through God's Word either by obedience or experience in our lives. Take a child, you tell him, don't touch that heater, it's hot. He's going to learn one, either through obedience or through experience. If he touches it, he's going to learn through experience. You know, it's going to burn. It's going to have consequences. Or he can learn through obedience. Either way, he's going to learn the heater's hot. You know, we just got through studying in, about man in our Sunday school lesson. Adam and Eve. You know, God told Adam, he said, Adam, he said, I give you all of this, but don't touch the tree of good and evil. Leave it alone. You got all this. I thought, you know, as I studied about that in our lesson a couple of weeks ago, I thought about horses and cows in a pasture. You ever, I know everybody see them. They've got 40 acres of good pasture, but they're over here sticking their heads through the fence, pushing on the fence, trying to get the grass there when they got all this. And I thought we're the same way. We're always pushing against God's fence. 
when he has so much, so much bars right here in our lives. I mean, so much. You know, it, you know that's, we look to, you know, at Adam and Eve. You know, we see where, again, we'll see how important God's Word is. You know, Satan loves to single somebody out. In church, a word. That's what happened with Eve. He singled her out. He got her away. You know. But the problem, another problem was too, Eve didn't know God's word. She misquoted it. And Satan took up on that and used it. That's why it's so important in our lives to have God's word, to know it, and to apply it to our lives. You know, it, it would save us a lot of, of pain and heartache. And I thought about preventive maintenance. God's Word every day is preventive maintenance. I worked, I used, I worked for Thompson, usually I'm retired now. I used to work for Thompson Tractor. I was a welder and a mechanic. And uh, I've been on many of jobs where if someone had bought an $8 tube of grease and greased that machine, it would have saved them thousands of dollars. You know, and like I say, knowing God's Word, having it in our lives daily, it'll save us a lot of heartaches. Hey, I know by experience. You know, I I hate to admit it, but I've had to learn a lot by experience instead of the obedient side where it'd been a lot better. You know, God, you know, God wouldn't, they didn't have to touch the tree of good and evil. God would have taught them everything they needed to know about, you know. But the tree was there for a choice, you know. That was their choice, you know. God didn't want robots. He don't want robots. He wants personal relationship with them. That's what he wanted with them. That's what he wants with us. And that's what we have through his son. You know, talking about the word. You know, I... I grew up a child in the Mayberry era. You know, I don't know if a lot of y'all remember this. A little boy named Leon had a cowboy hat, two guns, six shooters, with a half of peanut butter sandwiches in hand, another half on his face. Walk around wanting to give everybody a bite. Well, that was me. I mean, that was me to a T. You know, as a child during the Mayberry era. But I was thinking about that, and I think back about God's Word. I mean, man's Word. How man's Word just don't seem to have the value it used to be in their lives. And I, you know, that it used to mean. When people, a man gave you his Word, it stood for something, you know. And I was thinking, I thought about my dad. My dad was right the opposite of my mother. He was a structural iron worker. Climbed, put up these skyscraper buildings all over the country. Drank. Thank God he got saved at 72, except to cry. But he was always a man of his word. He, you know, and that was back when you had chores to do. I don't know if you know what chores are, but we had chores. You know, my chores was, uh, we had dogs. We had a big pen. My, do- my chores 
was to feed and water them dogs, clean that pen, and that was a bad job in the summertime. You know what I mean. <laughs> and the hole in the garden. Keep the garden clean. I had the hole in the garden in spring. We had spring training football practice. So I got home and there was enough daylight left. I had to work in the garden. The dark. But like I say, my dad, my dad was one of them kind of people that when there's a project, it didn't matter if it's little or big, it was all hands on deck. Everybody got involved. You know, I didn't, I didn't really realize it then, but I, he was teaching me responsibility and accountability. That's what God's Word teaches us. Responsibility and accountability. You know, <clears throat> at four, in my fourth grade, I wasn't doing that good. Actually, I wasn't doing that good <laughs> First grade, second grade, third grade. But you got to remember now, I'm Leon. I'm running up and down the street, wandering up and down the street. I'm a warrior. But my dad said, he said, if you get your grades up, I'll buy you a rod and reel. I didn't have a rod and reel. Daddy had some. All I could fish with was a cane pole. So I got my grades up, and my dad was a man of his word. He bought me a rod and reel, brand new. I'll never forget it, a Johnson 710. Green, beautifulest green color I've ever seen in my life. Man, I was so excited. Clean that thing, I wanted to wear the paint off of it, you know. But... I've got a boat at the house, a bass boat at the house with a bunch of rods and reels. It costs a lot more than that. I ain't going to say how much my wife's over there. <laughs> she probably knows. She knows. But, uh, but there's none of them. No more important than that Johnson 710. I mean, none of them. What God, and you know, and it's the same way with God. If we would just follow and be obedient to Him, He'll give you some of the precious memories you ever had in your life that'll carry you through your life. Man's world has lost accountability because of another word. We use truth. It has been, you know, God, truth has been stretched so long it takes a microscope to even see it. You know. But God's word in John, John chapter 1 I'm going to read verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You know, here to me, we just see that God's Word is never changing, always the same, always consistent, and always accurate, 
And it's the standard. You know, I used to, I'm working as a mechanic and welding. I used to do machine work, line board. I used to use a set of mics to check the hose. Mics would get off sometimes. But we have a thing called a standard. And that's what you kept your mics set by. If they got off, you had to check it with that standard. That's dev- the standard never changes. The mics will. We will. But the standard never changes. Every once in a while, we got to get the standard out. I mean, not every one, all the time. Get the standard out to get our mics calibrated where we need to be in our life. <clears throat> but verse 14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Was made flesh, living, life, full of grace, full of truth. That's what God's Word is. It's the truth that we need in our lives. If you could turn over to John 14, 6. John 14, 6. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know, like I told you, I'm a low-tech man in a high-tech world. You know, I had a pastor before, Brother Steve was here, Brother Jerry Glaze. He'd give me one of those strongs. Be exhausted about the Greek word, what the words mean in the Bible. This thing was big. Well, now I've got it on my computer. Man, I'm going to tell you, I've been wearing this thing out, you know. But like I said here, 6 says, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. You know, here you look that up, that verses in that, you know, the, about the Greek, what it says, it says, I am he whom the truth is summed up and impersonated. Impersonated means to assume the character and appearance. Jesus is the appearance, the character, it's all rolled up in him. He is, he was the truth, he was the way. He, he tells us, you know, he's the only way. But, you know, come by me. Another word for that by they use is through. You can't go around him. You can't go under him. Beside him, you've got to go through him. That's what it says in Ephesians. Saved by grace through faith in Jesus. It don't, but it's through Jesus. You know. Turn over to John 17, 17. Here, Jesus is praying for his disciples. It's right before he's fixing to be betrayed and arrested. And he's praying for his disciples. Man, I get excited about this right here. He said, 
17, 7. He says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify them. I looked that word up on my, out in my strong Greek. To purify by reformation of the soul. In other words, it's a change from the inside out. You know, it's to be set apart. Set apart for God's work. God's service. You know, it's a work of God in us and through us that He does. You know, He's the one that does it for us. You know, it goes on. You know, the truth, your word is the truth. You know, the dynamic behind sanctification is truth. The word of God read, heard, understood, and applied in our lives. That's sanctification. Sanctification, being sanctified, is a progressive thing in our lives as we go with God. Let me tell you, this is what I wrote down, what Spurgeon wrote about this. It's good. The more truth you believe, the more sanctified you will be. The more truth you believe, the more sanctified you will be. The operation of truth upon the mind is to separate a man from the world unto the service of God. The more we stay in this, the more of these things of these world will strangely dim away. You know, the problems. The more we stay in this word and believe and search it, the less we'll be pushing on that fence, trying to get to the other side in our lives. <clears throat> you know, on, it goes on down, and it says in the next verse, 18, it says, As thou sent me unto the world, even so I have sent them into the world. And, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. You know, God was sending them out into the world, but they were to be set apart from the world. There'd be a difference. You know, God has done that as Christians, you know, as us. We're in the world, but we just be set apart from the world. We need to be different in our lives. <clears throat> you know, and he says here, and for their sake I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the Word. You know, sanctified my here. Don't think that Jesus wasn't sanctified up to this point. He was sanctified. What he's talking here, he was fixing to do a new thing for God. God had set him apart for, and that's the cross. That's what he's talking about here when he said, I, you know, sanctify myself for them. You know, in other words, he became the priest, the altar, and the sacrifice. He became it all. That's what, to where we can have that sanctification. You know, you know we say he's praying for the, his uh, disciples, but he's going down, when, um, he talks about he prays for all those that will come. That's us. We're included. Every bit of this and what he has done. If you will, turn over to Matthew chapter 5. 
<clears throat> Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is, it is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. All these have a connection. They all to be set apart, to be different in the world, to be the salt, to be the light. You know, and here, Jesus don't urge us to be the salt or light. It says, you are the salt. You are the light. And he don't leave, Jesus don't, he does not leave no gray area for us to play around in here. If you'll look, he says, first about salt, he says, you are the salt of the earth. But, if the salt have lost the savor, wherewith shall it be salt? It is thenceforth no good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the feet of men. And he says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bush, but on the candlestick, and it gives light to all that are in the house. What he's saying here, like I say, it's no gray area. We, He's telling them here, you're going to either be being the salt or you're not going to be the salt. You're either going to be the light or you're not going to be the light. You're, going to be not, you're not going to be doing what God's called to do. He don't leave us no gray area. I mean, that touched my heart. It got to me. There's no gray area for us to play around in. You know. Nowhere. But then he gets to even makes it even more personal. He says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see. And he's talking to his disciples now. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. He's really getting personal here. He's saying, what he's kind of saying, he said, with Peter, John, John can't say, well, I ain't like Peter. I can't do that. Because it's your light. He's put a light in every one of us. You know, I can't say, well, I can't, get, I can't speak. I can't get up here and preach like Steve. I ain't supposed to. That's Steve's light, what God's given him. God's given me my own light to do it, you know, to share the way only a country boy can share. You know, that's where God meets us, where we're at. You know, and that's what he's telling them here. He's not leaving no gray area for us, folks. That's what I get out of all this right here. You know, but he brings it, brings it even, like I say, even down. We let our, let our light so shine, the truth of God. That, that men, won't, they won't see us, but they'll see God. That's what we're here for, what God has created us for. You know, that it glorify God. 
glorify Him. Wherever we're at, with our jobs, our homes, wherever we're at, you know. You know, I told you I was going to talk about two men. And they was two men in the Bible just like us. Went, but, you know, they went, probably going through some of the toughest times in their lives. One of them had said, I can't speak. The other said, I don't know what to do. How many times have we heard these words in the churches? How many times have we tried to use them excuses ourselves? Myself, you know. If you will, turn to Exodus chapter 33. <clears throat> Moses here, probably in one of the toughest times of his life. You know, here we're going to start in verse 7. Here they are, they had, you know, they had, they had just repented of the false worship of calf, golden calf. And, and, and Moses here in verse 7, it says, and Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without, without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went out of the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. This is God's not glory. And the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. Wow. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face. As a man speaketh unto his friend. You know, we go through problems. The first thing we need to do is get out, away. Where we meet God. In our life, what Moses has done, he needed help to guide these people. You know, get out and seek him and pray. You know, I, I love it. You know, it says here, you know, when you do that, and you're seeking God, you see the people come up and start worshiping God. When you get close to God, you know, based like conversation, I mean a true personal relationship, other people's gonna start worshiping God is watching you in your life. And that's what they to me was doing Moses here. And the Lord spoke to Moses face to face, as a man speaking to his friend. You know, no man can look at God's face and live. What Moses is describing here. Is his personal relationship, what he is feeling in his life right at that moment. Well, that 
glory of God there, speaking to God. It's just like he could feel God's breath right on him. He couldn't see God, but he's trying to explain in the best way he can what it was like, like he was just face to face. That's where we need to be in our prayer life, man. Woo! I mean, think about it. What all he did. In verse 12, And Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people. Thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider this, that this nation is, this nation is thy, thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. Amen. And he said unto him, Thy presence go not with us, carry us not up hence. Moses is still dealing with God. I mean, he's wanting assurance in his life. Sometimes that's what we just have to keep praying, keep reading, keep praying, and keep reading. Amen. When shall it be known here that I and I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated. And thy, thought, and thy people from all thy people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. We've all found grace in God. And he knows us by name. And he said, I beseech thee. It's Moses talking. Show me thy glory. You know, he'd already seen God's glory song. But he wanted more. I mean, that's what it should be in our lives. More, we want more of God's glory. And he said, that's what God said. And they're having this fellowship like friends here. And he said, I will make, and he said, I beseech thee, my glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. Moses asked to see his glory. God said, I'm not going to show you my glory. I'm going to show you my character, everything about me. No. He said, I'm not just going to show you my title. I'm going to show you my character. I mean, and, I, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me. Thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass, while my glory passes by, that I will put thee in the cliff of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand, cover thee with my hand while I pass by. You know, here, Seed part of God, he couldn't handle it all. He had to put his hand out when he come by. You know, Isaiah seen part of that glory. He said, "Woe is me." He mourned over his sin and his unworthiness. John, Revelation chapter one, seen part of that glory. He fell as a dead man before Jesus. Paul, 
road in Damascus. He couldn't even hardly describe. He had seen part of that glory. You know, the people of now, D.L. Moody, read where he prayed to have some see some of that glory of God. And it was on his heart. He felt like it was killing him. He had to pray to God to take it back, take it off of him. He felt like it was killing him. You know. And he said, And I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts. But my face shall no man see. Starting in verse 30, chapter 34. And the Lord said unto Moses, Hew thee two tablets of stone like unto the first, and I will write upon these tablets the words that were in the first tablets, which thou breakest. And be ready in the morning, come up in the morning upon Mount Sinai, and present thyself there to me in the top of the mountain. <clears throat> and no man shall come up with thee, neither let any man be seen throughout all the mount. Neither let the flocks nor herds feed before that mount. And he hewed two tablets of stone like unto the first, and Moses rose up early in the morning and went into the mountain Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, and took his hand and took in his hand the two tablets of stone. And the Lord descended into the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Here he's putting him in the cloud. He's getting ready to show him. And the Lord descended, like I said, and, he, and the Lord passed before me and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and in truth. He showed him everything about him. All his character. I mean, it all. Keeping mercy for thousands. Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children, on the third and to the fourth and generation. Talking here about those, there be some that won't accept that goodness, that, you know, mercy, that long surfing that he has for them. And look what happens to Moses. Verse 8. And Moses made haste. And bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. And he said, If now I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us. For it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquities and our sins, and take us up for thine inheritance. You know. <clears throat> you know, he allowed him to see his backside. In other words, seeing the after effect as God went by. I hate to say it, I'm going to do it anyhow. When, this is where my mind goes sometimes. When I God with his hand out, I was talking about the football player, you know. I don't know why. That's where my mind goes sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But seeing the after effect of God. There's so many times in our lives we go through things. We don't start with we can't see God. But after He's done move through the situation, the problem in our life, we won't stop, fall down, and worship and praise God. 
we've seen where he has brought us through it. I mean, boy, it's so gracious. So good. Let's read about one more. Go to Second Chronicles, chapter 20, verse 17. Second Chronicles, chapter 20, verse 17. I don't know what I said. Here's King Jehoshaphat. This is, this is some of my favorite scripture right here. Because it was a time in my life that, boy, I really needed God's help in my life. And I'll share it with you in a minute. It says, Are thou not our God? Let me say this first. Jehoshaphat, he found this Self between a rock and a hard place here. What warrior terminology, I guess you'd say. But are thou our God who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gave it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us that a sword judgeth, Sword judgment or pestilence of them, and we stand before, the, before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee our affliction, then that will hear and help. And now behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Sire, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast out of thy possessions which thou hast given us to inherit. They was all coming against them, joining up to fight against them. O oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither knoweth know we what to do. But our eyes are upon you. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children. Then upon, I'm going to kill these names, I know. Then upon Hazel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benai, the son of Yael, the son of Madani, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye, all Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed by the reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go you down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and you shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerusalem. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves. Stand you still. And see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord 
worshiping the Lord. And the Levites are the children of Kohathites. Uh, and all the children of Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tico. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. So shall he, so shall he be, shall ye be established. Believe his prophet, so shall you prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, and that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army, and to say, Praise the Lord, for the mercy endureth forever. And when they had begun to sing and to praise, the Lord set, the Lord set ambushes against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount which were against Judah, and they were smitten. If you look here, you can see, you know, the first thing he said, he said, I don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you, God. You know, and God told him he would be with them. You know, they didn't have to fight the battle. He would fight the battle. For a while, like so much, God, Jehoshaphat believed it so much that he put the one singing and praising before the army. In other words, what he was doing, he, the battle was already won before they ever got there. They was praising God as, the, as if the victory had done happen. That's the confidence they had in God. Like I said, it's right here a, a time in my, in my life. You know, I, had just, I hadn't been a de- deacon long, and I was pretty young at it. Brother Jerry Glaze was here, and he asked me to be the chairman of deacons. <clears throat> well, I said, okay. And two or three weeks later, he decided he, he was going to leave. <laughs> and I thought, Lord, what am I? <laughs> chairman of the deacons. I don't know what to do. You know, I mean, and I, and I you know, I was like Jehoshaphat. You know, you say, well, Jehoshaphat, he was fighting, you know, going against some armies, battling. Let me tell you, I was battling. And fired darts from Satan, doubt, fear. I was battling. I needed help. You know, Brother Steve was here. He wasn't a pastor then. But we had pastors coming, you know, and... I'd talk to some of them pastors, and I'd ask them about Brother Steve, and I said, and, and I know they meant well, they did. But well, I mean, oh, he's too young to be a pastor, you know. They didn't help me. No, I'm still, Lord, I need your help. But I was praying and reading, praying and reading, and that's where I found myself right here. You know, and it says that they got all, when they prayed, they gathered, gathered everybody. They gathered all the children and prayed. You st- then the nursery was right back in here. And I said, I got told Cherry, I said, bring all the children. It's one Sunday morning. I said, bring all the children now. I said, I want everybody to come to the altar, come to the altar. And, you know, and I led in a prayer. I led in this prayer. We don't know, God, who the pastor's going to be. 
from where eyes is it going to be up on you? God gave me such an assurance and peace in my life that I didn't have to worry about it. It's like he's told them, he said, you don't have to fight. I'll take care of this battle. He's going to take care of a pastor in their life. You know, the whole time in my heart, I'm feeling like Brother Stephen, our pastor. I mean, I felt like God was putting that on my heart. But I wouldn't say nothing. But then God, this is God. He started putting Jehazels in my life. The one that come and told him. Prop, I'm calling prop, but people in the church that they thought maybe Brother Steve ought to be the pastor. I said, Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We're all on the same side here. But I thank God, you know, through that time. But I thank Him, you know, He brought me here to give me that peace and assurance in my life. You know, God has given us a lot. If you would turn over to Matthew 12, verse 36, right quick, and we'll go. God's Word is important to us. Our words, the things we say, are important to God, too. It says here, But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. You know, I'm looking up that word and looking at the thing. And it says, and we know idle word is words that don't profit, or barren words. They don't profit, they don't make nothing. You know, that don't glorify God. And I think we're all guilty at times in our life of that. But this right here, when I looked it up and all, no profit is derived, although they can and ought to be productive. That they can and ought to be. That's what this means. Well, he's telling you know, he's talking here really about the Pharisees too, a lot. And he's talking to us. And that, that, gonna, that would be a sad day. To stand there and knowing to do good and we don't do it in our lives. Share God's word with someone. Your family or all. You know, that's my prayer, you know. You know, allow God to hide you in the pages of this book and let him show you his glory, his character. His love he has for you. Each one of us. Now, I'm, I'm t- speaking, preaching. I'm talking to myself as much as I am anybody else. But God has so much for us, folks. We just search him. Let's pray. <clears throat> and dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity you have given us to come, to study, to share your word, dear God. We thank you for your word. Thank you for what.